This episode is brought to you by Facebook Gaming. Facebook Gaming is building the world's gaming community by helping game makers, developers, and publishers to build, grow, and monetize their games. They do this by providing research-based insights, in-depth case studies, as well as wide variety of educational materials. A recent example of this is Games Marketing Insights for 2021, a report that has just been released and is available to download for free right now. Of course, Facebook Gaming also helps developers and publishers of all sizes to deploy powerful UA and monetization strategies through a range of innovative solutions designed for games marketers in every corner of the industry. Go to fb.gg forward slash DOF for in-depth educational materials, including playbooks, webinars, blogs, and reports, as well as great video content. I think what's become clearer, certainly in the last few years, as competition in the game industry has really stepped up, is that there's a fundamental difference between a great game and a great game business. You know, you could be super lucky, your game is an instant hit, it's resonating with users, but for when that's not the case, or even when you just want to take your game growth to the next level, that's where we come in. So we've developed a really incredible platform that's designed to make you as powerful and as capable as possible in growing your game, whether that's growing your game revenue or growing your user base. That was Melissa Zeloff, VP of Marketing at IronSource. Do you have the tools to turn your insights into action? Let's be honest, not all marketing activities are created equal. AppSlyer's analytics suite simplifies its complex data and gives you a unified view of campaign performance so you can make better, faster marketing choices at every stage of the customer journey. The goal is to create exceptional experiences that keep customers engaged. To succeed, you need to meet your customers where they are. AppSlyer's customer experience and engagement suite, powered by a reliable deep linking engine, lets you create personalized journeys that increase conversion and return on every experience. In addition, AppSlyer is going to keep your budget safe from mobile ad fraud. Bots and click farms aren't going to generate revenue for you. That's why you need a comprehensive fraud protection solution to make sure you're investing in the right channels and only measuring and paying for real actions. Are you ready to start making good choices? Great. Go to AppSlyer.com and get yourself an attribution partner you deserve. Welcome everybody, Twig 157. We're going to do a fast one as usual. We got 50 minutes, so let's blast through this. We got a couple of articles today. We're going to talk about Zynga hiring a VP of blockchain gaming. And we're going to talk about this very interesting article on games industry biz. Not an article, an opinion piece that talks about baseless NFT hype hits its hits a crescendo, but play to earn is worth watching. Welcome Everybody, welcome Eric, welcome Eric too, welcome Adam. By the way, Eric Suford has a fuckboy haircut, looks really nice. Um, Thanks, man. What? That's what I asked That's what I asked for when I went to the barber, so they nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? What do you mean? You know, I have no oh, idea what you, we're talking about right now. Yeah, let's just, go. Just, let's go. Don't worry about it. We got we got Adam No Fun Telfer on the podcast. So yeah, yeah. Telfer, Telfer, yeah. Telfer we, we got video turned on. We know you have no idea what we're talking about. Here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's let's jump in into updates. I don't want to hear anything about your personal life. Um, actually, I want to share one thing that that again drives me crazy about Germany. So 
holla at Ola. <laughs> we don't have any German listeners by now, but uh, so I can speak freely. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we we uh, my company we got an office space in Germany. Like we looked for a while, we got this cool office space. It's naturally between a yoga studio and a jujitsu place. Like a really cool location. There's like all the hipsters are there. We moved our shit there. We built our tables, like all the rally chairs and all the cool things. And we're like, yes, this is Savage HQ in Berlin. And then we're like, we can't really move in yet because the internet is not working. We're like, all right, well, just, you know, let's figure out the internet. One week goes by, second week, what goes by. And apparently we now figure out that we can get internet speed at max 30 megabyte per second. So what in the fuck is going on? Like so, megabit or megabyte? Megabit, like, megabit, megabit. Like it's like, um, oh my God, that's time. It's, it's just a horrendous. So now we have to find Welcome a new Berlin, space. Man. Welcome to Berlin. I did not think about it. <laughs> the thing is, like, like, you're going to go, go months before you get internet too, because there's only that one internet provider in Berlin. It's, I, it, I that, could yeah. not, I can't even imagine. Like when they were writing all this stuff, uh, you know, the guys were going through, through the service providers and everything. I'm like, where are you? Like, is this, is this, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, not, nothing bad against Romania or anything. I'm just going to throw an Eastern European country name. <laughs> like, like, where are you? Like, the, what they're writing is not what I would imagine from Germany. Like, the difficulties of getting an internet connection. And then guys coming in and like, well, we have to like raise the pavement to get some kind of fucking wiring to this whole building because the building doesn't take. And the, and I don't know what kind of a, like a bombshell that it is because apparently the 5G doesn't get there. Like, it's a mess. So if you're, one advice to anybody listening to this podcast, if you're opening up a studio or anything in Germany, check out the internet speeds because apparently it's a third world country. So that's my that rant. possible this I day and age? I, think I could very understand much like Berlin 10, thing. 20 years ago. It, I, I don't uh, know. I wouldn't throw all of Germany under the bus there. Um, yeah, but I yeah. think that is a very distinctively Berlin thing. I remember that my experience as well. We ended up actually just getting sublets all the time and taking over other people's internet um, because that's just <laughs> the, the amount of pain that it was. And we definitely got more than thirty megabits. So you, yeah, and you might you might need a a, a local help there and, to and, get over thirty and the, megabits. And, and and we're talking about the capital of Germany, not like not like you know like whatever can um, nothing bad against France again, like a, like a vacation or <laughs> my just everybody under the bus. Here. Uh, I, yeah, I'm not Berlin. I'm just, Berlin like, is a very <laughs> is a very different city, right? It's not a traditional I, capital in any respect. Well, it's, it is quite traditional capital. They've had a, tr- a capital of Germany for like fucking 200 years. Like, what do you mean? It's not traditional that, capital. I mean, more like <laughs> it is not a traditional capital in terms of like yeah. it being the, you know, most pompous, most, Any, like, softest edge anyway. city in the, in, in the country. No, Berlin is pretty hard edged, very hipster, very counter. It is. It is. I love it. It's great. But so enjoy your time with thirty megabit internet. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're lo- we're actually. I just talked to Antti uh, Adams, ex co-founder, and we're we're trying to get his space because he's moving into a bigger one. Anyways, uh, moving on to talk about the capital of mobile games, which is goddamn Helsinki, where the internet is good enough. And I want to just give a shout out to the city because we had two games launching last week. Uh, number one, Farmville Three launched globally finally, and. I just want to say that it's pretty crazy because we started making Facebook games here like 10 years ago when Farmville 1 and Farmville 2 was coming out. And it's crazy to think that in 10 years, like Helsinki is the place where they make Farmville. So congratulations to the team. Long grind through the uh, soft launch. And I'm really hoping that the game scales nicely. And Eric, Cress, 
do not give them shit. It's a great game with <laughs> with great production <laughs> values, and I believe that they will be a, 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 a solid hit. And the second congrats goes to Clash Mini. So uh, Supercell released now their second Clash game. Previously, it was Clash Quest. Now it's Clash Mini. I've been playing it like a maniac for, for two, three days now. Uh, already spent on the Battle Pass. Um, little buyer's remorse. But anyways, um, <laughs> the game <laughs> the game is not made in Helsinki. It's made out of Shanghai. But it's uh, it's definitely an interesting take on um, an auto chess genre. I'm quite hooked. And we'll be that we'll be playing, we'll be writing about that game, we'll be talking more. But my first take is I'm I'm definitely more hooked than at, at Clash Quest. So you, you, um, you know what's the you know what's the harbinger of death for any game out there? If Mishka likes it. If Mishka likes it, it's over before it even ooh, begins, right? Ooh, like, I can like, already say, like, I know nothing about this game. I have not seen one metric, but based on his <laughs> approval of the game, it is going to fail. All right. Ooh. So I just Yeah, that's kind of where I'm going. All right, like, my updates. It, Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not even going to let you respond, Mr. 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 Yeah, that's fine. Okay. That's fine. Um, earnings. Now, I'm not going to talk about this at length because, uh, again, that is my primary business. But uh, earnings was very volatile this this quarter. Actually, a little bit more volatile than I would have thought. So Playtika was down 30. Roblox was up like 30 or 40. Activision was down. EA was up to flat. Zynga saw a decent uptick after getting routed <laughs> over the next over the last uh, uh, yeah. last quarter. Um, but holy crap, dude! I have no idea where they go from here. I, I I just don't know. Like they have no nothing in the pipeline material, right? Um, and so they need to do more acquisitions, or they need to like fucking pump up this NFT nonsense that they're doing. Yeah, um, well, we're we're gonna talk about that in a second. I think what they're trying to do mm-hmm, here. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, go on. Exactly. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, to look over here. Um, yeah. uh, so AppLovin, Unity, and Iron Source were all great going fucking gang busters into this print, which makes no sense to me <laughs> at all. But uh, but they're all coming down a little bit off this this run up. Um, no, um, no, no, no. They're up today, man. Uh, uh, Unity is up seven percent today. Oh, but I last last right. night they dropped they dropped after earnings last night. They all dropped. Right. But Iron R- Iron Source is up five percent this morning. Unity is up seven percent. Right, and AppLevin is reporting. Right, still down. They're reporting yeah. tonight. Iron Source reported this morning. AppLevin is reporting tonight. Iron Source right. had gangbusters earnings. Iron Source, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was expecting Iron Source. Shout out to Iron Source, by the way. But you know what? Shout, What's interesting is Iron that Source. that Unity didn't do nearly as well on the ad side as I thought they would. I thought they were benefiting from all this cheating with. They, uh, well, no, but their revenue was uh, was above the, the revenue was above uh, uh, mm-hmm. estimates, and they revised guidance up for Q four. So they had it. They, it was they they beat they beat estimates by eight percent on revenue. Yeah, oh, but anyway, I expected to be a little bit better, frankly. But uh, all these guys are, are doing well, um, and we'll see if how, how it continues. But a really interesting earnings season. Like I think it's a really really dynamic uh, environment right now. <laughs> I Super say. exciting. I, I still don't know why Roblox was up forty percent, even though I'm bullish on Roblox and I've been positive on them for this year. I I, I don't understand how that like didn't Rev, didn't the revenue, revenue was up like hundred percent? Yeah, revenue was up. No, but uh, anyway, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I think that was the most obvious one. Well, why? One. Yeah. Um, well, no, no, no. I mean, dude, the stock was already at insane valuation, so going up from here is 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 dramatic. And then I I still question about how they can grow really grow uh, materially next year. Um, I don't know where their growth factors are going to be, but we'll see. Um, anyway, yeah. I, that's a whole other thing. 
All right. Can I talk about can I talk about Playtika real quick? So Playtika sure. dropped, uh, you know, and and they had been probably the most um, uh, dismissive of the idea of Facebook, right? I mean, they had said I think two quarters in a row, maybe even three quarters. Last, I mean, like I pulled up the, I did a tweet thread about it. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but like I, I I pulled up the transcript from last quarter, and they're saying no, 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 it's it's nothing, it's a nothing burger. This is not going to affect us. <laughs> um, it, it we don't rely on the IDFA for that much. And, um, I mean, it just, it was a disaster, right? I mean, I think that's, and then, then there was like, there was a little bit of a conversation not uh, on this, uh, in the DOF Slack. And, and there was a bigger conversation in the mobile demo. It's like, why, why, why did they not just confront the reality two quarters ago? Right. I mean, Zynga did and they got dinged. Right. And that's, I guess that's probably why, right. You didn't want to get dinged, but you're going to get dinged anyway. The Reaper is going to be there no matter, you know, maybe it's now, maybe it's in a quarter and there's nothing you can do in a quarter to sort of mitigate the damage. Right. So it was very odd to me that they were so dismissive. And the only explanation I have is this is so esoteric and it's so deep in the weeds and it's so, I think, far removed from what these execs think about that they feel like for that reason, it can't possibly be serious. Like, because it's not something I don't think about, well, I'm an exec, it, I think about important stuff. So if I don't think about it, it can't be important, right? And I feel like that's what happened. Now, e- either, because you can't, you can't, you can't just, you can't just say these things if you know them to not be true, right? I mean, there's, there, 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 you have fiduciary duty to sort of update your, your, your shareholders. And I feel like they just, the, a lot of, and it's not just Playtick, I'm not, I'm not singling them out. There's a lot of companies did this. They hand waved it away. They dismissed it. They said, it's not going to be a big deal. And I think it's for that reason. It's like no one, these people didn't understand how important UA is and how important mobile advertising is to their business. It's the lifeblood of their business. And they just didn't understand that. Yeah. And we've been, we've been talking about this for a long time. It's like, you know, Frank Jabot and, and Bernard Kim and, and Bromberg, oh, Bromberg left Zynga. Um, uh, you know, they didn't know what IDFA meant like right. six, you know, a year ago. Right. So like, like, how can they possibly understand the ramifications to their business? Shit, they didn't even have a head of UA at the time, yeah. right? And they're out there saying, ah, no big deal, right? right. We got we, we got it covered, right? We got such a big network. We got this fucking hyper-casual bullshit that's going to help us. It's all bullshit, right? Yeah. And 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 it's, it's, it's just crazy, right? And even now, even now, after they got dinged last quarter, fucking Zynga's out there talking about, oh, it's over. We got this. We got this. No problem. We're going to scale Farmville. We're bringing up that we're spending the money. It's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're not going to be able to scale a game that monetizes like crap. Okay. Get over it. I mean, it's like, it's unbelievable. The misinformation out there. And the last thing I'll say about Playtika, like these guys are the most amazing operators I've said many times, but they're also not publicly, you know, they're not, they are not trained on how to manage Wall Street. Right. And their expectations. And and that takes a long, long time. I mean, even Frank screwed it up. Right. Um, and the CEO, CFO of, of, of Zynga last quarter. So anyway, that's that's a skill in and of itself to manage expectations. So. Right. Well, we again, with Snap didn't do. Snap did the exact same thing. No, oh, yeah, no yeah. big deal. No big deal. But so then what we what, what what I'm looking out for is what happens next quarter, quarter after when or whenever maybe a year from now when apple does clamp down on fingerprinting because i feel like all the networks are doing the same thing they're saying no no no, we got it we're not we're not exposed we have yeah. we have sort of like zero liability here and like well yeah we in got the a, short term but in the long term we got term, our no. content fortress <laughs> <laughs> i need to trademark that so people have to pay me every time they say it <laughs> anyway i it is gonna be fascinating next year it is gonna be fascinating how this out all manifests itself but uh but 
But anyway, very interesting earnings season. I think um, uh, I think uh, console business is looking really, really solid going into next year, and mobile is just looking like a shit show to me. Oh, and then Stillfront. After all this trash talking about Stillfront, and and they were down eight percent on 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 um, on uh, uh, organic. Oh, sorry, uh, organic growth. The stock is up twenty percent today. It's like what? <laughs> so I don't know, dude. It's it's really weird, weird, weird times. All right, uh, moving on. Yeah, I've just got a bunch of little updates. Um, League of Legends uh, launched their Netflix anime series. It's actually number one um, in U.S. and Canada, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, at the same time, League of Legends has spiked on Twitch. It's actually number two, the number one game. Um, also, TFT popped up on Twitch. Um, even just live streaming the anime actually is number 10 on Twitch right now, weirdly enough. Um, but it seems like Riot is just pulling out all the stops to capitalize on the Netflix series, which I think is smart. Just a ton of live content in all their games to support um, uh, the, the anime series. Uh, Lost Ark, Amazon publishing deal for a Diablo-style Asian MMO, um, has had a pretty strong beta, um, similar to New World. It's sitting at 96% rating on Steam and reached a peak of 88K CCU versus New World's 142K. Um, so hopefully they can learn from New World, um, have a strong launch there. Um, but that's a publishing deal. That's, of course, not them, them building the game specifically. Did you play it? No, I didn't. No. Yeah, didn't I got to try it. Um, game to watch on Twitch right now is Crab Game. I don't know if you oh, guys have it. seen this. <laughs> it's a pretty funny <laughs> indie version of Squid Game. Obviously, it's, it's almost like a Roblox experience. You know, like there's tons of these Roblox games where they just... You know, blatantly copy a licensed IP, but just make a really ridiculous version of it. In this case, um, they just built it as a standalone experience within Steam. Um, very, very simple graphics. Um, I think the, the advertising video is pretty, pretty laugh at loud funny. Um, anyways, despite not having the license, it's spiked on Twitch and Steam and has created, I would call almost like a Fall Guys like spike. Um, so the thing to watch is whether or not they can actually deliver more content into this and sustain an audience, or if this is just a flash in the pan. Likely, you know, the latter, given the culture relevance of will probably spike and drop of Squid Game, and the dev is pretty small, so likely not really building for live services, but still. Uh, funny game, definitely check it out. Uh, New World continues to drop in Twitch and CCU, um, but is still top 10 in Steam and um, just outside the top 25 on Twitch now. Uh, but it's still clear that the tech issues continue continually pile up and they're having to make pretty big changes and even bans in order to reclaim their economy and retain that golden cohort. So I hope they can get these issues fixed, launch an expansion or some new content quickly and start pulling players back. Um, I still feel like this is the right game for Amazon. It's just a shame they couldn't capitalize on that launch. Ah. Yeah. Um, in terms of Supercell stuff, uh, we are starting to watch like Boom Beach Frontlines, Clash Mini. Obviously, they've now released, uh, but there's just not enough data yet to really say anything about them. Um, so just two updates on Everdale and Clash Quest. So Everdale on an RPI basis is actually tracking pretty well, despite the concerns. It's up to about buck 85 RPI, which is much higher than their peak of 85 cents under that fake label, label and is actually still trending up. So the RPI trend looks good is in line with Heyday, Hustle Castle, and slightly below SimCity Build It in Canada. So that's 245 for SimCity Build It. So the question just remains is if they can actually grow this game profitably as a new IP. But I think the, the RPI is not sending any warning signals. Uh, Clash Quest has a big update on its way. 
and they recently announced that it does not have a timeline to global release yet. Um, the RPI has still flatlined at about buck 35, which is low, especially for a puzzle CCRPG genre. Um, so the update that they talked about includes big swings like guilds or, or clans and additional modes. Uh, so clearly they're pulling out all the stops to get the retention and RPI up. Um, and I agree with this goal. They likely need to add more progression depth, more progression paths alongside new modes to get this RPI up. Uh, last update, Pocket Gamer and App Annie are reporting that Garena Free Fire has now passed PUBG Mobile and Call of Duty Mobile on lifetime downloads on iOS and Google Play combined. Um, but just note that um, that's total downloads. PUBG Mobile actually still has a higher number of active players, according to App Annie. Um, this is mostly coming from their penetration in rest of world markets like Thailand, India, Latin America, um, but retains the best US-based RPI based on their live operations. Mm. The one one thing to note with the uh, with the Supercell games like nowadays, the uh, the role of performance marketing is very important. So uh, I think you know it has changed over the times where they can't just rely on their brand to drive all the installs, and they actually have to have to have a, a decent CPI to be able to scale. So I think it's important to watch not only the monetization but how their installs are trending. Like, are they able to to kind of start scaling those games? Um, yeah. yeah. It's a, yeah, that's it's a the big question, different... question with Everdale, right? Like Clash Quest. Exactly. The Clash stuff that they're doing probably has the best chance of a decent cross promotion and you know a little bit more organics from that. But Everdale mm -hmm. being brand new IP, that's the big question mark. Yeah. But at least on an RPI yeah. basis, like from a game design it's... perspective, it doesn't seem like it's it's a big red flag right now. Yeah, but the revenue is like declining precipitously, like yeah. every 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 day. You know, it's like well because they're not challenged, right? Yeah, well, well, the challenge with with challenge with Everdale is I I think it's a it's a mismatch between the game mechanics and who the game is and how the game looks because it looks extremely casual, almost like heydayish type of a really nice game, and then it's it's like a it's like a goddamn predator. Like you have to be it's just you're you're just there being bullied by your guild members and constantly people being you know kicked out and being malicious. I, I've actually, I don't know if I told this on the podcast. Like I've seen investment bankers play this, play Everdale. Like it's crazy. They love it. They love it. And then they show me the messages. Like, look, look how many, like all his messages. Should we kick this person? Let's kick this person. Let's get rid of her. Let's get rid of this guy. Are you doing it? Like, like being just aggressive, <laughs> just horrible towards everybody and loving it because it's such an aggressive game. But the way it looks. I think they're just going to acquire a casual audience who's going to come in and get bullied. So I think the CPI might be low due to the uh, very sort of a casual appeal, but then um, it's, it's going to be hard to sort of like it's a whale game essentially, and um, hard to hard to find for that. What do you think, Suford? Yeah, well, that's a problem. I mean, that's that's the problem with that strategy, right? You see this a lot. Like, oh, we'll just wrap this in a more appealing skin that'll reach a broader audience. But they come in and they mm -hmm. turn out immediately. They don't spend. Yeah. You need to spend. Or they, they don't adapt to the gameplay style and the, the deep modernization, right? So, like, I think it's almost yeah. – like, I remember I, I spoke with um, one time, like, when I was living in, in Berlin uh, in my hippie commune building. Uh, <laughs> Without internet. Or, uh, you know, no internet. Uh, and and I, I, met up, I met up with one of these um, – one of the guys who was at – I can't remember. One of these sort of, like, legacy gaming companies. They did the, the, the web MMOs. And he was saying, like, they specifically designed the creative to, like, repel people that just would not yes. be into that kind of game because they didn't want the clicks. They didn't want yeah. – they wanted they wanted their metrics to sort of, like, reflect 
the, the sort of like purest and most efficient onboarding flow, no matter what mm-hmm. the acquisition cost was, because ultimately those are going to be the best users and they can scale it up that way rather than trying to cast a wide net and seeing, you know, massive churn and, and, and having like sort of, um, you know, lower acquisition costs, but like more noise in the data. Because uh, this sort of like clean, very, very efficient, you know, onboarding um, allowed them to interpret the data a lot more easily, right? And to understand which channels are performing the best, which makes, I mean, which is an approach, right? It's just, a, it's a specific strategy. But like, I feel like that works better than trying to cast a wide net, reduce acquisition costs, bring in a bunch of irrelevant players and have them churn out quickly. The thing is like, w- the one game that in my opinion should have had Clash IP, it's not you know, Clash Quest or even Clash Mini can definitely work with that, but it should be Everdale. Like that should be the mid-core game without, you know, maybe the uh, the complex fighting system. It's 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 definitely it feels like very male heavy game, but I don't know. I don't I, I don't know. It's just such an not male heavy, but just aggressive. Like it's such an aggressive game. Most most aggressive game I've I've played. Anyways, um let's let's go to the uh let's go to the news. But all the best to Everdale. Hope it launches. Hope it becomes big and and um, all that all that jazz. Uh, you know, we love Finnish game companies. At least I do. Anyways, so so article was on Games Industry Best. Baseless NFT hype hits its crescendo, but play to earn is worth watching. This was an opinion piece written by Rob Fahey. I'm sorry if I butchered the name. So let me Fahey. just go through. I think it's Fahey. Yeah. Fehi, Fehi, yeah, good. Well, Fehi. Uh, anyways, there's a link in the description, so people should check it out. But I'm just gonna go through the article, kind of like take take some notes out, and then and then uh, do a little bit of an analysis as well. So he, Rob writes that we appear to be at a crescendo of one of cycle of hype for blockchain technology and NFT as at the moment, which essentially means that it's silly season. I do agree. Uh, games and technology publications are dubious in their coverage of this vastly hyped but extremely poorly detailed self-styled revolution. And sometimes this hype is kind of impossible to ignore entirely. He talks about top execs and companies, um, you know, talking about blockchain gaming. Like they have the CEO of Take-Two was talking about NFTs. Uh, Zynga that we're going to cover is talking about NFTs. Ubisoft is doing something about NFTs. Even Epic, even though Tim Sweeney said, you know, what he said about NFTs and in blockchain, uh, Epic Store at least said that they're open to NFT-based games, unlike um, their their rivals at Steam. But the fact is that nothing has been sort of announced by these companies, and, and the executives are doing mainly just lip service. Ubisoft is the only one that has announced at least something, but as, as Rob writes, it's a low-budget football cart thing with blockchain, which to him feels very much like a throwaway experiment rather than a you know significant strategic move. So the question is like, why do executives keep doing this? Like, why do they have to mention NFT and blockchain and th- say things like, oh, it's it's quite interesting? Like what what Adam was quoting Adam Wilson uh, uh, Wilson in in the uh, in the last podcast. It's um the the reason for this is of course that they're trying to get investors excited, um, maybe sometimes even gaslight investors a little bit. And um, Rob makes a point that the execs who talk about NFTs and blockchain don't really understand the technology behind this blockchain. They kind of understand the high level. Maybe they listen to a podcast or have somebody <laughs> tell them quickly, but they don't. They don't understand it enough to to really talk about the strategic moves. So, uh, or enough even to to make deeper comments. Now, the article talks about play to earn having very little to do with NFTs. In fact, Rob says that you don't need an NFT or blockchain technology to implement any of the system needed to enable play to earn. And he makes a point that play to earn is not a new thing. 
uh, MMORPGs, just like in, uh, I think it was last podcast or the one before, when Eric was talking about his article that he wrote in, in Mobile Dev Memo about Ultima, um, Ultima Online, that's play to earn. I mean, players grind it for virtual items, and then they sold those items. We've seen that happen in, in, um, in other games as well. Uh, World of Warcraft, we've seen it happen in, in Counter-Strike. So Rob kind of writes, like, what happened was that most developers eventually moved from trying to crack down on gold farmers in these MMORPGs uh, to just selling gold directly to players. And through that, play-to-earn would potentially reintroduce the artificial scarcity of in-game currency and powerful items or characters and let the developers take a cut when players sell them to one another. So play-to-earn will happen on developers' terms. Uh, big companies will not give control to players. They talk a lot about this decentralization, but I like it's hard to imagine that EA or or Take Two or Ubisoft would give the controls to the player uh, rather than having it themselves. Uh, and in the end, uh, Rob writes that the real issue, which I agree, is that before pay to earn becomes actual reality, there's big hurdles. And those hurdles are in legislations and regulations. Because if players are able to earn items with real monetary value, then we need to talk about taxations, we need to talk about employment laws in all the different countries. And then it opens up the Pandora's box of gambling laws. Because currently, these gambling laws don't apply, even though with the gacha mechanics and so forth, because players are pumping money into the game, but they're not taking that money out. So it's not really gambling. But once you start taking the money out, then we're, we need to start talking about gambling, assuming you're, you're using all these mechanics. Sorry for interrupting this podcast, but I got an important message. It's about increasing your game's revenues. I bet your mobile games is ready to find new, untapped audience and a juicy 40% revenue boost. Well, you can achieve global reach and acquire new players with local payment methods and exclusive content and with huge savings on platform fees. After recent events allowing developers to sell virtual items and currencies directly to players with a substantial savings on transaction fees, Exola launched WebShop for mobile games. This timely solution helps you unlock global potential and grow your mobile games beyond the App Store and unite your player community across all devices. Plus, it can also improve discoverability and boost player retention. If you're ready to increase revenue, save on fees, and regain control over distribution, Exola Web Shop for mobile games can help you succeed. Visit exola.pro slash DOF or go to the link in this podcast description. Now let's take a little break from all these news and talk about consultants. You know, one of my biggest triggers in gaming is consultants. These big firms think they can manage game making with PowerPoints. They are literally the destroyers of studios. Don't get me wrong. It's not that these folks aren't smart. They're some of the smartest and highly educated people in the world, but they lack two key things, passion for games and industry experience. To put it simply, they lack context. One area that context is absolutely critical is consumer insights. As the name implies, you are trying to understand your customer and gain keen insights by asking the right questions. Without the right context, it's almost impossible to be successful. The big CI firms fall into the same trappings. Just because a firm has gamers on staff doesn't mean they know how to what it takes to build and ship successful games. You need to work in the industry to really understand the challenges and agony that studio and marketers have to go through to bring a product to market. That's why I recommend Beta Hat. Stan Kwan and his team at Beta Hat have deep experience in the industry that provides the context needed for actionable insight. Stan's own experience includes 15 years within the gaming industry leading strategic functions at EA, GameSpot, and Ubisoft. 
Other research firms package up gaming and entertainment bucket or use like these old methods from packaged goods industries. Gaming is different. For game CI, you need to understand what people play, where people play, how they play, and why they play. You need to understand console, mobile, free-to-play, software as a service, subscription models. Whether it's consumer segmentation, brand tracking, concept testing, conjoint analysis, or focus testing, Stan and his team have the context to deliver exceptional insights into the gaming customer. Please reach out to Beta Hat by visiting their website at betahatmr.com. That's B-E-T-A-H-A-T-M-R.com. Now back to the episode. So my why, take on why this. Why does he think about? Yeah. Why is he thinking about employment laws? Uh, well, because if you start earning, um, if you start earning by playing a game, then you are eligible for taxes. I mean, but it's yes, it's some. But it's like, but if I invest in the S and P five hundred, it's not like I'm employed by the S and P five hundred. Well, I understand, but even if you invest into S and P one hundred or an index fund, the government needs their cut when you make a revenue. So it's, yeah. it's 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 the question of like so is it, so is it just like a taxation thing that like it's crypto ta- wallets have to exa- be like like cash out from from crypto wallets has to be taxed exactly I think exactly most of the legit wallets so things like Coinbase mm-hmm. right obviously have things like you have to put in your tax ID mm-hmm. you they double check all this stuff and when you take cash out they're like okay here's your receipt yeah. right like here's yes. all the money that you've withdrawn through the year and converted to yeah. U.S. dollar. So it's, I, I don't. I guess I would push back against the employment part of that one. Well, yeah, I mean, that, it, I mean, that, but the Pandora's box obviously is like a major red flag. Sorry, I mean, he's just. He, I mean, he's just spitballing. I mean, maybe there's a case yeah. where that applies, but he's just throwing out considerations that aren't really being yeah. talked about. Yeah, and right. taxation but, laws and, in definitely European countries are like, if especially in the socialist ones, holla at Finland. You know, they're, they're not like they even if they get a whiff that you're you're employed, the government is going to come in and take half of your money. <laughs> no, I mean the the the, the 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 ultimate vision of this is that this pay to earn type uh, economies will develop, and then legions of people in the Philippines and and in Brazil and other third world countries will be like grinding away on these uh, pay to earn things and earning currency, but not necessarily paying taxes locally. Right. Yeah. And then on top of that, like all these like rice fields and other fields that are out there like, are just going to play <laughs> abandoned because they're all going to go to where they make more money. Right. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, they... it's like a dystopian, like nightmare, right? Like I, the means of production are going to be all swallowed up by fucking free to play, but... you know, play to win NFT shit, you know? <laughs> but as soon as money starts moving from one wallet to another, especially in our, Socialist countries, the government needs to take a cut. Then they get serious. Like, who made what? <laughs> no, by yeah. Well, good luck with that. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, they're socialist. <laughs> so it's a great country. Free healthcare, free education, um, free bad weather. Just come in here. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so uh, I've been quite agnostic regarding you know the whole NFTs and and crypto gaming. You know, just researching. It's definitely interesting, but but um. The crazy news haven't helped, I'll be honest. Like when I read that Ferrara is raising six hundred million for a soccer card collecting game or Mythical does like a hundred million round, I feel like every second week, <laughs> well, maybe at least every quarter. Uh and they have this this one game, this uh Blanco's blockchain party or whatever it's called in early access and uh, you know i'm dabbling in it but it, it's it's kind of weird the the uh, news about axie infinity claiming to surpass candy crush in the annual uh annualized revenue run rate when they haven't and it's just 
being posted. Uh, Dapper right. Last has raised over six hundred. Like these are insane numbers for something that is just not like it's not like it's not Call of Duty Warzone, for example, where I could take the game and be like, oh my god, this is an amazing game. I understand that a bunch of people are playing or FIFA, you know, Ultimate Teams and and whatnot. It's just like it's something that that a lot of people are not playing. So that's why I'm kind of confused. It's almost like looking at modern art. Like, does somebody really think this is so great? Like, I understand the price tag, but like, <laughs> who thinks this is amazing? So I think a lot of this is driven by FOMO. And I mean, not I think I know. And and through and the FOMO comes from the perspective that that people feel that this is like early free to play days. Like back when free to play came in, those games sucked. Like Farmville One, oh my God, what a trash! But but they were but they were actually really successful. They made a lot of money. Uh, and when you play those games, and when you played back then. The art was horrible. The progression was horrible. They were spammy and they were scammy. So in that sense, I do understand that there is a FOMO that when you're looking at them right now, you could say all these you know negative things about them, but you could also say, well, so so were the early free-to-play games, the cookie clickers and so forth. So the compelling aspect of, of NFTs or blockchain is, of course, that, that you're owning the assets and your investment of time and money into a game is not lost. You can divest when you want and kind of take part of what you've earned or even more what you earned as you leave the game and start playing a new one. Um, and then through that, you're not having this bias remorse that I'm, that I'm already feeling a little bit in Clash Mini, but it will turn, it will turn around. Anyways, uh, and then finally, like this decentralized autonomous organizations running the games. I, I really don't, I find that, you know, less believable. Because games are relying on content. And in order for that to happen, like the developer has to what build tools for the community to sell, to, to create and sell that content. And they would have no supervision of, of what the developer would have any supervision or any control of what's happening in the economy. Uh, you know, DECA games is great at, at, at running these, these, uh, long haul live op games. And I, you know, I feel like they have more control. They don't just decentralize and run the community. They actually operate the game. And it will feel weird to me that, that in the, uh, in the blockchain world, you just give the tools to developers and just take a cut of whatever happens in the game. I, I find it hard to believe. Anyways, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's, first of all, there's no way to decentralize these things. If the game is developed by a developer, then that means the developer controls the game and they have, you know, total sort of authority around the economy that ultimately trickles down to the assets that, you know, go on the blockchain. I, so I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see any way where you could really truly decentralize that. Right. Otherwise you're talking about some kind of like open source project that people are contributing to. But even then there's, there's, there's a central, there's like a, a, a centralized process. Right. Um, you know, the other thing is like, I, I agree, I agree with the article makes a lot of great points. Um, uh, you know, I don't agree with the the, uh, the the employment law stuff, but I think he was just like throwing that out there or something. Hey, you might have to consider this. But um, I, I think, you know, the, the biggest problem here is like, again, like I'm not hearing about the power or like the, the sort of mainstream conversation about this is not about how this gets applied to gaming is not being driven by game developers. It's being driven by execs or just random commentators or speculators that are totally divorced from the game development pro process. And we'll talk about this in a second when we get to Eric's bit. But like, I just, I won't be convinced until you show me, and I have seen this from startups, right? And I've invested in startups that, that do this. Show me the spec, show me the prototype and tell me how you've integrated NFTs into the game economy. And until you, and, until you can speak to that, and if you're just talking about blah, 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 democratizing access and all that kind of stuff, then I don't care. 
I don't care what you have to say. It's not interesting, right? You're, you're just, you're just being a, a carnival barker. And it's annoying. It's annoying at this point to hear this stuff over and over and over again from people who have no idea what they're talking about. They're just repeating the latest thing that they read on Twitter, right? And, and so like I, I, you, you brought up the free to play example. All those games had design docs. Right. You could you could understand how the economy worked. You could deconstruct it. You can understand how they made money. Right. Like it was it was it was you know, it was they were innovative. Right. Like they were in, actually ingenious. But like it was an innovation. It was a design innovation. What we're talking about now is just a hype innovation. Like, hey, here's here's how we can get a bunch of uh, insiders excited about something and then try to dump it onto retail investors. Right. Which is exactly what the sort of what NFTs are. Right. And and, and so like I, I just I'm not interested in hearing about this stuff. And we'll, we'll get into this in a second where I have a real rant to go on. But I'm not interested in hearing about this stuff from people that aren't building games. Because until you can tell me about how this relates to a game economy, you're just spreading. You're just you're just a, a buzz accelerant. Um, I think the one point in this article that has not been said enough is still this gambling risk. Um, I don't really know how to fully quantify, quantify it. Um, we were talking about it in the Slack channel. Um, because this this just seems like just such a massive elephant in the room that nobody's talking about, right? And I think right. he speaks to it pretty well with Pandora's box here, which is games have always been this thing of you cash in, but there is no ever cash out. So any of the systems in play within your game design of randomization, it's fine because there is no cash out. You're just playing into that game experience. As soon as you have that cash out system, this thing now has a gigantic red flag of of securities, right? Of potentially being flagged as, as gambling and losing your key markets. Um, so I don't really know how to get around that or or quantify the risk that something happens because as we've talked about before, things like loot boxes have been a risk for a long time and nothing's really happened, right? Um, social casino um, also, right? Um, but the, yeah, but again, I, you're totally right. The difference though is that you can cash out Right. Yeah. Yeah. And this one, you can absolutely cash out. So then it's like, well, is the chance for loot boxes now like 30 to 40%, but this is 80 to 90 or what's, what's the real chance that something like this is going to happen in the next year versus the next five versus the next 10. Right. And, and I said before, that's what Forte is really focused on is trying to figure out ways of building these systems without like triggering these insane law, you know, not insane, like these, these laws all over the world. Right. Yeah. But then so you look at something like Axie Infinity and the breeding system is really what I point to where you have a system where you put money in, you, you put this love potion in and you have assets that have value to it as well. And then there's a random outcome of what Axie comes out in after they breed, right? That is gambling. Yeah. You can now cash out. That's, <laughs> that, that is literally gambling, right? No, no, but you forgot the most important part. That part is not gambling. The part is when you, you cash, cash out and yeah, sell you, that. And you thing. cash out the winnings, and then it's gambling. That's gambling, right? <laughs> right. So then, okay. So as a game designer, um, okay, I can only do these systems where if any money come from blockchain comes in, I can't use a random number generator at all on the other side of it, right? Right. And then I'm like, well, what type of game am I building then? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I these, here's what. I, Go ahead, Eric. No, no, no. I'm, I'm done. Go ahead. I, I here's what I so it, I don't understand why Axie Infinity's or um, the 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 company that makes Axie is 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 making these claims that are like demonstrably. I don't want to say demonstrably not true, but they are questionable, right? Or like they're interpreted in a weird way that is not 
intuitive, right? Like when they talk about more revenue than Candy Crush, no, that's not true. That's just not true. Like you'd have to interpret <laughs> a very specific revenue-related metric in a in a way that is not intuitive for that to be true. Like it, and if you, ha I, I just don't understand why you would do that. If you had a sustainable economy where the game was growing and there was no fear of like some kind of an implosion, why would you say those things? Dude, they're raising money, right? No, but they, like they already did. They already did. No, didn't they raise right after that? Or it was in the process. I'm sure they were. This they is raised, like part of their they raised, pitch. They raised after that. They raised after yeah. that. Oh, I mean, okay. I thought they, I thought they made that comment recently, like like in the last week. Oh no no no! That was like right when the, in the heart oh, of when okay. this thing released, and like their the run rate was like based upon like the peak revenue, which yeah, declined like eighty percent the next week or something stupid. You know, I don't okay. know. Who knows? Right. But still, like but, just just the idea that like when I it's just that that kind of stuff when you're like misrepresenting or or you're you're representing numbers in a way that is is not how most people would interpret them that scares me like that's that's a bad <laughs> signal to me of like you can't just say yeah our real revenue the the number that you know is is an important driver for the business or like the input to a to basically any sort of like you know uh uh interpretation of our business is x if you can't do that and if you've got to kind of twist it around and and then you know then you compare it to the thing that you're trying to anchor the 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 sort of uh parallel comparison with which is oh the growth of free-to-play gaming like I get that trying to make wanting to make that comparison, but I don't get having to sort of like uh, twist the actual number around to fit that comparison, um, because then that's just like, well, why can't you just use the real number? Uh, and that to me is but in, is, but in is, this case, it's, it's so specifically because it's crypto, right? Like the the run rate that they used to calculate it was based on like the take that they had as a company, but it was converted to crypto. That crypto then obviously has like a fluctuating value converted to. Ethereum and a fluctuating value converted to US dollars. So it was easy for them to show like, look, because of the inflated value of, of Axie, the inflated value of Ethereum, then you have this massive run rate comparing to, to Candy Crush. But none of that revenue was realized. Right. So then what do you do as a crypto company? Do you, do you start realizing revenue when you're like, well, that doesn't make sense if our currency is going to keep going up or we believe our currency will keep going up? Yeah. I have to say, especially with with like 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 economies like Axie, where where people are taking a lot of the uh, a lot of the money out of the economy, like it's it's so reliant on new players coming in because because all the Filipino uh, Axie farmers are just you know are cashing out. So the uh, there's you know there's money there's there's currency leaving the economy. So I don't know. It's just it's so confusing. All right. By the way, this I, I think, is like I think the, we need. I think we need Ethan. Whenever we talk about, like, next time we do NFTs, make sure we're doing that on Thursday. Least, dude. The, tomorrow, least, oh, I'm tomorrow. not even invited. Oh man, I'm not even invited to this. Thing. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, dude, we, we need we need Ethan because I feel like yeah. all four of us kind of agree on these things. Yeah. Other than Eric, who's just a shill for Forte, anyways. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm fair agree, balance. We need some. We need somebody to balance it out, and also to call us out yeah. on our shit because we're still. We're, we're um, doing it based on 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 you know handpicked yeah. articles instead of Ethan. Ethan is a base. crypto shill. Ethan is a crypto shill. Come on, guys. Anyway, I well, uh, I just I feel like he's as soon as you start drinking the Kool Aid, you're a little bit of a shill. Yeah. Right. Right, Chris. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. I think you know with this crypto stuff, it's like it's like you're either all in or you're not. Right. It's hard to be on the sidelines. Right. So it's like I don't know. Yeah, but whatever. Um, th what's funny? But this is like the this is this is the crypto podcast, right? I mean, we, yeah, <laughs> today yeah, we have crypto. Everything we're talking about is crypto right now. So, 
All right, so my thing is about uh, Zynga. So Zynga basically hires a VP of blockchain gaming. And this, along with like four or five other announcements, it's all about chasing rainbows and unicorns at this point for these uh, publicly traded companies. Um, So anyway, Zynga hired this guy named Matt Wolf to be president of blockchain gaming. And I quote, Wolf will focus on the opportunity to integrate non-fungible tokens and blockchain technology into Zynga's existing portfolio and owned IP, as well as to develop games from inception that are built with NFTs as part of the gameplay loop, the company says. First of all, that whole sentence was complete bullshit. I just want you to say that right now. Like reintegrating blockchain into existing games is is almost impossible. Like you might as well just, yeah, yeah, whatever. Anyway, all right, fine. Moving on. Prior to Zynga, uh, this guy founded uh, some kind of media agency uh, and he spent a decade at Coca-Cola, right? As a as senior VP for strategic partnerships. Now, I don't know this guy. I can't speak to him. I'm sure he's a good good you know, good guy, but dude, what the fuck, right? How is that background relevant to manage blockchain? Like it, it blows my mind that they hire these people, right? And I swear, this is like the EA thing where he has the right BMI, he's super handsome, and I'm sure he can talk. <laughs> BMI? Talk, right? No, <laughs> Body mass that, index? <laughs> yeah, haven't you ever heard that? I've already told this yeah. before. Yeah. It's the EA BMI. There's not one executive at EA that doesn't have a BMI underneath you know, like 25, 25, right? Yeah. 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 So anyway, my point is, is that why I'm unemployed? What, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why Eric and I are consultants, right? Because we're too, Eric, too big. We're too no, big. You, okay. You're just, you're just well marbled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why do you think I was trying to get to 15 by 50, right? I got to get, I want to get back in the exec rotation. Um, anyway. <laughs> So he said that he did have stints at EA and Sega, which I couldn't see on his LinkedIn. So I'm not sure what that's about. In the, so, in the, nine, in the 90s. In the 90s. Oh, Jesus. I mean, yeah. It was like, oh, geez. It's like Atari days. Okay. Anyway, this guy has no business running an NFT shop from my perspective. But that's that's my opinion, which is irrelevant. Right? Okay. But here's what this is. This is a classic look over here type release. Right? It's like, don't look at our core business. We're focusing on NFTs, right? This Our core business is falling off a cliff right now. We have no nothing in the pipeline of materiality and our other our titles are going down, right? But, oh, we have this guy from Coca-Cola who's running NFTs. Like, great. All right, that's great. Um, you know, they don't have no idea about how to do IDFA. They know how to, they, 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 their user Alex challenges are going to continue to plague them. And yet, okay, well, we have a Coca-Cola exec running NFTs. We're good. We're good. You know, no problem, right? So, um, you know, I don't know what this guy is about, but I, I just think you need someone with a little bit more design expertise in order to like try to manage an NFT strategy. And I'm sure he'll hire legions of people that will have that experience. But without that guy, with that guy at the top, I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Okay. Meanwhile, EA CEO Andrew Wilson wouldn't be st- outstaged by Mr. Frank Chabot, right? He's out there saying... You know, Wilson made a bold claim that NFTs and play to earn are going to be the future of our industry. And then before, and then he added, it's still too early to figure out how it's going to work, though. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to be huge, but we have no idea how it's going to work. At least that's a little bit more honest. And then Ubisoft CEO, same thing. The French are going, he goes up, they go after everything. Right. They, 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 nothing is. Nothing is not worth their attention these days. Um, so he's going, the Ubisoft CEO is going out of it. The only person that seemed to have some pragmatic view on this thing was Strauss Zelnick, right? Who, to paraphrase, basically he believes in collectible digital goods, as I do. And and he says blockchain is one way of, of authorization 
to authenticate these uh, you know items. Uh, but he doesn't think that he doesn't believe that because something is an NFT doesn't mean it's going to have value or continue to have value or increase in value. And ultimately, it could decrease in value over time as well. Right. Um, and he's all like a lot of these NFTs are based upon are being built and be, but by these crypto bros. Well, this is my words, but is crypto people and that uh, for the opportunity investment to speculate and then with all speculation, it goes up and it goes down. It doesn't always go up. OK, so like, yeah, anyway, but. He doesn't see where the real value is necessarily from NFTs in the system, but he also acknowledges the fact that digital rights, digital ownership is something interesting. Um, so anyway, I think all these acts are kind of answering the question, right? They are all being approached by their investors and saying, what's your strategy with NFTs? And they have to respond, right? They, they can't just say nothing, right? And 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 this is the way they're responding. This happened with mobile. This happened with VR, AR, even with Nintendo platforms over the years, like all these things come up and they got to have a response, right? But I think the real progress and in innovation is probably most people in this audience will think is going to happen in the private sector, right? Particularly given how much money is sloshing around with the VCs, like they're going to invest, invest until something pops, right? I mean, things are popping to some degree, but um, I think that's where you'll see most of the innovation, but, but we shall see. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Innovators dilemma here, right? There's absolutely no way that um, someone like an EA or uh, Ubisoft or Zynga would be the front runner in NFTs and blockchains in the, in the next year of Twitter. But in general, um, I don't think they, they really need to answer the question. Like, honestly, this is just exact speak. I'd be doing the exact same thing if I were them. I don't think this is like a piss or get off the pot type of moment for NFT and blockchain gaming. I just don't think there's pressure on them to decide right now. There's just too much volatility, too much risk in the market um, for, for them to even dip their toe in. And comparing this to, say, early days of mobile or Facebook, they at that time, they could have just made an investment into a small team and developed decent games and started learning about the space, as they did when they created, like, free-to-play versions on, on Facebook and also created, like, mobile premium versions of things like Need for Speed. Um, but over time, then they, they found who the clear long-term winners would be and they acquired teams like Playfish and Firemonkey. Um, so just in general, I, I agree with their call to basically just smoke screen and say, yep, we believe in it, but we're probably like not actually commit any resources to it. Yeah. I mean, Super. the Zynga, the Zynga hire is exactly that, right? I mean, if they were going to move into this in earnest, they would give their best PM, three months to come up with a prototype and say, if this gets greenlit, we will resource you for whatever you need, right? If they don't care about moving into this in earnest and they just want to sort of signal to the market that they want it, they would hire a marketer, which is, this guy came from Coca-Cola, he's a marketer. They would hire a marketer to just make PowerPoints and give presentations and talk to the media about how blockchain is the next blah, 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 NFTs are the blah, 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 democratizing access to, to finance, uh, blah, blah, blah. And he's, he's basically just an evangelist. I don't think he's going to build a team. I, I think he's going to be in... Maybe he's, I wouldn't even be surprised, honestly, if, if these people and you see every big public company doing this, they hire somebody in in a big VP role with a marketing background who can just go and evangelize crypto on like a one or two or three year contract. Right. They're not going to build teams. That's not the idea. The idea is not to build these games. It's just to, it's just sort of signal that you're aligned with the ecosystem and aligned with the hype, but also to, with in a way that you can scale back kind of quietly if it doesn't work out. Right. Um, so I, I think, you know, the the. This these these statements, it's just sort of the the sort of uh, public company manifestation of that that meme with uh, Steve uh, Buscemi saying, "How do you do, fellow teens?" 
right? Like it's it's just sort of like I, we get it, we're we're with you guys, but like it's wait and see, right? And then the way that they'll actually in earnest uh, pursue this is to acquire a team that's got traction. Like it's not hiring a VP who's no, they're not going to assemble teams. These companies aren't going to assemble teams. They can't. There's they they just can't do that. Like they're they're, they're structurally uh, uh, incapable of doing that. They're going to acquire a company that has traction and pay a premium for it if that happens, and they'll just sort of. You know, how do you do fellow teens it until then? Yeah, I mean, I always say the same thing to my clients about this sort of like announcement is that, look, there is no effing way they are going to pull a team of 40 people off of FIFA to run a blockchain company, right? A blockchain game, right? Like, in what world does that make sense when you're making like a billion six every year on this motherfucking thing? And then you, you you divert them to something that may or may not pay out, right? This is the innovator's dilemma, I guess. The same idea is that these people are worth their weight in gold and you're not going to throw them at an NFT project no matter how much they ask to do it, right? Um, unlike, but then again, like Ubisoft will do that, right? They'll like literally resource products <laughs> that don't make any sense in the marketplace with some of their best engineers and talent and say, oh, this is not costing us that much. But it's the resource that's the problem, right? And that's why Ubisoft continues to underperform everybody. But anyway, sorry, I'm digressing. But my point, my point is that they are not going to divert any type of significant resources to this. Um, and you're right. I, I, ultimately, they will acquire a team that that has see some success, perhaps, maybe, if it starts to take off. And then not to mention all the legal issues. Sorry, the, the, the bigger part about it is also the legal issues around this are going to fighting the shit out of them, right? Because they're not going to want to deal with anything that like starts like getting regulators from, you know, from from old Europe on their ass, right? And so like it's it, it, you know, not you know, they they've already had enough uh drama around that with the with the FIFA and all that stuff. And so EA is like totally gun-shy about that stuff. So all they can do is throw these guys with their, you know, handsome BMI guys out there like talking the talk, right? And 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 doing press releases and and going to conferences and speaking about their expertise, you know. Keynote but, uh, at keynote at uh, PG Connects. I can't wait. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to follow this guy. I'm I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by this dude. Um, uh, and I yeah, anyway, I'm going to have to do some. Uh, what what are the stuff. other things that Ubisoft is working on right now? Like you're right, Ubisoft uh, is just spread so thin. Um, Division well, they're, movie. They're still, Division movie. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Vision movie. They're, they're shifting a whole bunch of stuff to free to play um, on their or console side. Um, it was announced recently that the Assassin's Creed Infinity is not going to be free to play, but that's still going to be this like massive live service thing. Um, what else are they doing? They just announced blockchain. They're going to Amazon Luna. They're going to be doing a subscription service. They were they were like the first on the Stadia. You know, yeah. like uh, they're. They're building games like this BMX game that was based upon the steep tech. Who the fuck? Who is greenlighting this stuff? Like, it's crazy. <laughs> There's no market for these games. It's ridiculous. You know, like, you don't spend a nickel on that kind of stuff. Like, refocus, right? And, and I think the Assassin's Creed thing is absolutely asinine. Like, it is the right way to go, but they don't have the teams or the expertise to pull this off, right? They're not going to do a free-to-play version of an open-world game it's impossible it's impossible you know i think there's genshin impact now it's it's been solved yeah it's of done. course yeah yeah <laughs> everything's solved right everything's solved so like they i don't even think they understand that even aspect of it is like the reason that genshin is so successful is not because it's an open world action game it's because it's a collection mechanic game right they still don't get this and they're you're going to collect characters in assassin's creed what characters tell me tell me what characters are relevant in that in that context none zero right 
It's like, I, I, Ubisoft just blows my mind. And then the mobile stuff that they're doing and like uh, everything that they do is like, it, it, it is asinine. And then no matter who I talk to, they're like, oh, it doesn't cost us that much money. Ah, it's no big deal, right? I'm like, yes, it is. It is. Focus, yeah. focus, focus, right? I, I think I think one thing with, with, because they do so many things at Ubisoft is that they don't have enough grit to kind of see them through. Like they, they make cool games and then if they're not hits off the gate, they're like, yeah, just shut it down. That's it. Oh, race On to the no, next no, one. no. They don't. They don't do that. They, like no, Rainbow I, no, Six I, Siege, great example. Division well, Rainbow Six Siege uh, did really good for off the bat, and and as did the other ones. I'm no, thinking no, no. about like Rainbow Six Siege had a terrible, terrible. Oh, launch. for Honor okay. had a terrible launch. As like I, I would, I would not say Ubisoft doesn't have grit for well, the, some of their live services, at least on console. Okay, I was just thinking about uh, the uh, the Hyperloop. Was that Hyperloop? Uh, you remember the battle royale game that they did? Yeah, hyperscape. Oh, God, hyperscape. Nightmare. Yeah. Uh, but like, but the metrics on that Classic one were game. so low, I would probably agree with Ubi on that. One. Yeah. Okay. And then, but yeah, but, for but, most of them, like Rainbow Six Siege and For Honor, um, Assassin's Creed, and all these, like they do have the grit to go through live. It's just oh well, my bad, I retract. But, Thank you. But the other, and, the, and other the thing, one the thing other, too the, is like the, the one focus that they should absolutely be doing. Rainbow Six Siege is declining. Right, Rainbow Six Siege is is really their 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 golden calf, and it could be so much larger than it is. It's still not free to play. I don't understand this. Like every yeah. single time they set it to be free, it goes up. Right? Like why the hell would you not set this thing to be free to play? Well, the quarantine Our, game was supposedly yeah. going to re reengage that audience, right? And I don't forget they changed the name of it, but like I, like I guess it's coming in March. The one but game we, that I do we, like, I is, think that we we go through this so many times in live services world, where the assumption is like, okay, instead of fixing the game that we have right now that is very very successful, we're going to build a sequel, and then the sequel will, yeah, right, will right. surpass it, right? It's like, no, you have an established incredible live service in Rainbow Six Siege, yeah. build on it, set it to be free to play, and build more modes into it. Like quarantine mode would have been a, like add more things to siege don't create a whole new service and then cannibalize players between them or just have split resources and uh split marketing costs between them right. just ends up hurting the whole service overall no, make no, a rainbow but, six siege the game which has everything in it yeah but anyway I, I i will say i would to give them credit because i'm just picking on them too much these days but the the i think the the star wars game is really smart the division game that could be really interesting um because that engine works, that gameplay works, and like you build it upon a different IP or different uh, universe. I think that makes sense. But everything else just seems like a disaster waiting to happen. Frankly, got it. This Assassin's Creed thing is going to be abomination. I can tell you right now. Like, <laughs> it, just when you complimented on something, <laughs> you have to do like <laughs> you had to come in with like a ground impact. <laughs> Not even in like Montreal. a slight jab. You'd be like, you know what? Yeah, they're, they're, I have to give them credit and <laughs> then just wail on them. <laughs> They are the most amazing developers for this open world game. I have to give them credit for what they what they've done. But like Jesus, and then this Far Cry is doing incredible for for a single player action RPG game. Right? Yeah, exactly, and that's what they've been they, good at forever. So yeah, trying just to focus on that. that. I think they're great devs for that. Yeah, yeah just optimize. Anyway, um, uh, all right. I think we're we we are just off the rails right now. So let's. All right. Uh, on that note, everybody get their BMI indexes checked. Get yourself <laughs> ripped. Get yourself jacked because the, uh, the, the, yeah, the uh, crypto executive spots don't come in easy dude, if you're not presentable. Yeah, before, before you apply to EA, dude, fucking lose those pounds, man. Get, get yeah. on the treadmill. Stop eating the ho-hos. Yeah. So, EA. <laughs> then you're in. 
EA, I'm 27, but I'm quite muscular. So please, just consider it at least. <laughs> no, no, my BMI. Anyways, uh, forget what I said. Everybody, we love you guys. We appreciate you guys. We're silly people. And on that note, we're out. <laughs>